0: Hi, this is David Michelinie, and I wrote Amazing Spider-Man, and you're listening to Amazing Spider-Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle, all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. Be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. The amazing spider of the amazing Hello and welcome to The Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavostin, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com.
1: And I'm Mark Gianocchio, founder of The Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk.
0: Thanks, everybody, for joining us for the 18th episode of our coverage of Volume 4 of amazing spider-man we hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the spider-man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture yep
1: and for this episode we will be discussing amazing spider-man volume 4 number 19 by dan slott and giuseppe comincoli i will then conclude by responding to some of your comments and emails uh dan What kind of awful transition do you got for me today?
0: Well, it's going to be a short show, so I'm going to cut right to the chase. Let's talk about this review of, I think, a pretty excellent comic.
1: like not the least bit creative so i don't even know how to how to like start in with this comic review now because I, <laughs> I, i'm just i'm just uninspired
0: <laughs> well uh, you know let's 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 say the alternate about this comic because i thought this was kind of an inspired comic
1: yeah you, you know dan absolutely and and you know maybe, maybe like you said we should just cut to the chase here because this was probably one of the finer single issues of amazing spider-man we've had in, in a number of years. And I know we kind of said that when we were talking about the civil war two tie in a few, a few weeks ago, like, Oh, this is one of the best stories we've had in years, but no, but like in terms of amazing spider-man, uh, I mean, can you think of a, of a better single issue that we've gotten in, in, in the last three or four years?
0: I don't think that I can. Um, it's hard, it's hard because this is doing something very different li- than what we've been getting recently. Like recent Spider-Man stories have been very like complicated, you know, full of story and, and, uh, and like really pushing this new status quo. And this is kind of like a story that could be plucked from almost any era of Spider-Man um, and it's going very clearly for heart over crazy story machinations
1: yeah and I mean and this is I mean just you know in terms of the context of this I mean this I believe is the final prologue to dead no more clone conspiracy whatever uh, your your title du jour may be for the for the upcoming arc and and while there are certainly elements of this story that uh relate to that um y- you know at the end of the day, what I think made this issue stand out as you said Dan was um This has a very standalone quality and and, and tells a story. It's a classic kind of Spider-Man story in terms of the problems involved um, that, you know, regardless of the fact that Peter's a CEO or that he's spanning the multiverse or that he's back from the dead, these are just classic Peter problems um, with tragic results. Um, it's funny. And, it almost and,
0: goes against the uh, the status quo because there's so many moments in this book where I expected him to hop on a spider mobile or a spider bicycle or something to zip around town, but instead he's just swinging around on his webs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the you know, in terms of the Parker industry status quo, um, I mean, you know, probably the one of the biggest. Things that kind of really pointed that out were, you know, when he was on one of the the, the, the watch phone things and May is asking him to go to video and, and he's in his costume so he can't. Uh, I guess that's just like, I, you know, one of the things that dates this story in terms of this status quo. But yeah, other than that, like you said, there were no uh doodads or gadgets or devices or magic MacGuffins that uh could save the day. Um and um yeah I mean it it just it it, it kinda it kind of surprised me it surprised me how surprised I was by this issue, if that makes any kind of sense. Um <laughs> you know it it it, it told a kind of story that I mean and and I don't mean this as a swipe at dan slot because i feel you know yeah we've been kind of harder on the book over the last year or two but even in stories that of of slots that we've liked a lot um i don't know if he's ever this this probably probably the closest we've come to a story with this kind of Tone and reverence and, and and balance between tenderness and tragedy was probably no one dies, which we talked about in one of our essential episodes a few months ago. Um, would you would, do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the only other times I can really think of him trying to go for this kind of emotional, like, uh, s- uh, simple emotional story, um, and I think less successfully than um, no one dies is that was that. Betty in the hospital story, where he went, you know, out to kind of rough up the 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 uh, I guess uh, criminals that like put her in the hospital, and that was kind of like because he wasn't there, she went out on the town and and got hurt, so he blames himself, kind of thing. And um, I thought that was a similar story to this in the kind of like you can't really win if you're Spider Man kind of thing.
1: Um, yeah, but. But this felt bigger. I agree. I agree. I agree. So let's, so let's, I mean, we've been tap dancing around it. I mean, let's, let's say what happened here. Um, so, I mean, what, what, what we're basically dealing with here is, you know, after more or less a couple of issues away from Peter and his orbit, I mean, you know, we had the Prowler, the, you know, the, the, the Hobie Brown issue. And then, whereas, you know, yes, Peter was in the last one, but it was mainly about, the Doc Gock and his great escape from the living brain. Um, I mean the the spotlight is 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 back you know firmly back on Peter and we're kind of picking it up where we left off, which is, you know, um Jameson Senior, you know, Aunt May's um husband, um, is you know, has this unidentified disease. <laughs> uh, that um you know it has taken a turn for the worse and um you know there's these two options which one is the the new you technologies which is you know the miles warren jackal or or maybe not since you know we we, we saw a bunch of miles warren's lookalikes in this issue but you know we still have the main one who's in a mask and a and a in a suit so like like you've been saying dan there there's to me, my spidey senses are tingling about that. Um, Although
0: in the letters column for this issue, Nick Lowe is sure to point out that he felt it was appropriate that Miles Warren have a redo on his costume. Um, whether that's a red herring or not, who knows. But it did seem kind of odd to point that out if there's not a mystery about what the face looks like.
1: All right. Well, either way, um, so – you know. The, 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 the options for Jameson here are either get this experimental procedure, which, while it seemed to have worked for one of Peter's employees that was involved in that plant explosion a couple of issues ago, um, Peter's, Peter's senses are, Spidey's senses are going off, and he thinks there's something up with this whole thing, but he can't he can't say that he can't verbalize that to aunt may or to jonah jameson or to jameson senior so peter instead is just trying to push the the standard um you know what what do they refer to it as kind of like the 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 control group (laughs) uh you know the 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 regular procedure not this experimental one and um you know this kind of leads to some scenes of of you know, different. It's 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 kind of typical. It reminded me a lot of Amazing Spider-Man 400. I mean, not quite on the epic scale because you know, Amazing Spider-Man 400 obviously dealt with Aunt May and Jameson Senior as as well as he sometimes has been written. I mean, this character clearly doesn't have the cachet of an, of an Aunt May. Um, it, but you know, kind of like these these very kind of token. Deathbed scenes, and then of course, Jameson sends out uh, Spider-Man for what? It's it's it, I, I it already escapes me because it's almost like the item itself is not the important it's just thing. Just a it's clock, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a clock. I uh, was, was waiting sur- for
0: it to be a wristwatch, and we would get a whole Pulp Fiction scene. <laughs> I hit this thing up my. A- so, I took,
1: so I took the watch, and I had to put it up my. A- <laughs> <laughs> to put
0: up
1: my. A- Peter, um (laughs) sorry that's my bad christopher walken so uh well you know maybe he can be a a b-book reviewer at some point (laughs) um so um and 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 you know I, I feel like in summarizing the story, I'm taking it away from our discussion point. So, um, I mean, what do you want to do, Dan? Do you want to do you want me to keep going here, and then we can kind of break yeah, down sure. some Finish individual it up. Finish scenes? Up. Finish okay, like up. I, I I don't want to like steal anybody's thunder. So, so Spider-Man goes out to get the watch. Of course, while he's out, Spider-Man things happen, um, and of course, you know, at one point he drops the watch. And, you know, and there's like this moment where you almost think like that's the tragedy. Like, you know, this watch that Jameson wants to pass down to his son and, you know, and Peter screwed it up. And, oh, isn't that terrible? And I was like kind of getting ready for that to be the, oh, Peter screwed up. But he, but because he's Spider-Man, you know, he can't own up to it in a, in a, in a reasonable way. So everyone's going to think he's a screw-up. And then the real screw-up is that Jameson Sr. dies. Um from this disease and they don't get to do the the procedure on him and it's it was like even with all of the signs being there and 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 you know kind of like you know this was definitely like that horror movie where you knew the killer was in the other room but it still kind of caught me off guard because i think it was just the stakes of it were were laid down so well
0: yeah i agree with you um i i had a really you know like powerful initial reaction to this book you know uh just kind of feeling the emotions of it and also regarding the kind of classic peter parker tropes of you know that we've discussed before and it really reminded me you know a lot of the what happened to crusher hogan story um which mm-hmm. i'm sure we'll mention several times in this episode where no matter what he does he there's no winning and I, those are my favorite spider-man stories um and so this was really interesting to me. Um, I think on like a second and third read of it, um, some of the kind of uh, like little like naggy things started to appear. So I might sound more negative on this story in this episode than, than I really am. I think it's a wonderful story. Um, and I agree with you. I think it's the best that we've gotten in this volume four. Um, although we've had a, str- a nice string of good, ep- uh, good uh, issues here. Uh, Yeah, But uh, yeah, uh, this is a powerful story and I think really what makes it stand above the rest is the smart use of the kind of like narrative and visual metaphor of the clock standing in for for Jameson and and this kind of classic struggle of Peter between two responsibilities, whether it be the overused uh, uh, (laughs) – But uh, I'm calling now the crane crashing uh, scenario, which seems to be yes. happening in every other issue of this title. Um, Although to I'm, be
1: fair, Dan, I would say to be fair, Dan, there are a lot of crane incidents in New York City these days.
0: I was going to say when I was at NYU, uh, there was an incident revolving. In, and so the the frequency with which it appears in this comic genuinely concerns me for New Yorkers everywhere <laughs> and and the Teamsters <laughs> Union or whatever.
1: You and me both, (laughs) Dad.
0: Yeah, right. Um, But uh, I just like that you know, both as Peter Parker, he is caught between responsibilities to his family and to his like you know gut instinct of Spider Man. And in this instance, regarding this clock, he's also caught in between the two, where he as Spider Man needs to save these people, and as Peter in Spider the Spider Man costume needs to make a decision regarding Jay. I thought. Uh, it was a wo- wonderful like metaphor to set up, and and it's the kind of thing that you like. It's, it takes it a step above an average superhero comic.
1: Yeah, I mean, Spider Man is still, you know, with very few exceptions, the one hero that you can have these kinds of stories with because of the breakdown of of well, first of all, the idea of power and responsibility with him, but also. You know his everyman status and his relationship with his supporting cast, um and 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 kind of his his ideology as as a hero. So, you know, it's a well that gets returned to, but with good reason because it tells good stories. You know, I I you know I guess there were some subtle twists to the standard convention that I thought enhanced the story for me. I mean, like I I, I really liked the idea of you know in between. Spider-Man having to make that choice between responsibilities, there's the added element of, you know, will he or won't he with this new you procedure and, you know, basically the basis for his decision being made boiling down to this, you know, power, this, this unexplained power of his that he's had since the get go, you know, like spider sense. Um, which is such a, you know, I love Spider-Sense and and Slot seems to like to focus on it a lot. You know, he even did a story where he took it away from him for a while. It's still this kind of very random thing in Peter's life in terms of powers and power set. Um, so the fact that that's kind of his only clue in terms of not, going with new you, you know, what do you, what do you do with that? And, and it's just, it's basically just saying, well, you know, my gut says don't do this. And, 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 you know, he's a man of science and he's trying to kind of argue, you know, find the, 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 the scientific way to back this up. And, and he can't. So, and because he can't talk about his superhero alter ego, it's just, it just kind of makes him look like a like a nut that he's not going for this procedure. Yeah. Um. So I, I I just really liked that added drama here. It's it's not even just the usual you know picking between do I honor my responsibilities to Spider Man or do I honor my responsibilities to my family. It's it's because I'm Spider Man. It might be preventing me from making a decision that will affect my family because if I wasn't, if I didn't have this, he would. Let's face it, if he didn't have this, he would probably go with the procedure, wouldn't you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely, he would. There's no, um, there's no rational reason, which it makes it interesting to me. First of all, that you know this decision was put in the hands of Peter, um, and, and second of all, um, like what is the fallout? From this like because not only is Aunt May losing her second husband, which I mean, sorry Aunt May. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, first, you lost yeah, your maybe, husband, then you lost your the actress portraying you, and now you're losing your second husband. I think,
1: I think Aunt May's new uh, name should be Black Widow. My God, I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so there's that level, and then you know, this story kind of starts off with this scene where Spider-Man webs these two kids to the ground or I guess the thief and, and the person trying to stop him to the ground. And we get a moment where like the public is starting to hate on Spider-Man again, but like, who's not going to hate on Peter Parker after this? I mean, Jonah, like he's not the kind of guy that I could see forgiving Peter for his decision here, you know, and, and Aunt May is losing this husband that, who's you know her hope i mean it's not rational that they're blaming it on peter but like you know this could bring about a lot of irrational feelings and i wonder what kind of you know personal ramifications there will be for the character after this
1: yeah i mean and that and that's going to be something i think we have to monitor here because there is a there is potential here for some really good drama human drama between peter and, and people out of costume i mean Yes, we 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 read Spider Man comics for the superhero battles and and struggles uh, between good and evil. But yes, we also read Spider Man comics because of the hum- the humanity of the book and and the supporting cast. And and this is a perfect opportunity to really start exploring the, the relationships and the supporting cast that, quite frankly, have been long neglected. Certainly in this volume.
0: Yeah, I, w- I did want to say though. In this story, I felt like the inclusion of JJJ was kind of um, not unnecessary, but it took it took me out of the story every time he showed up. Mainly because uh, you know we, the last we saw of him several issues ago was him you know kind of realizing that Marla Jameson was brought back from the dead, and to me that kind of complicates every decision that he makes in this issue. Um, not to mention the decisions he makes in this issue aren't really uh, ever played out. There's like a, a moment where he goes um, to talk to Marla, and and she's like, "Use the new you," uh, uh, and he's like, "I'll do whatever I can," you know, to to change Peter's mind, and we never see that really come to fruition, um, but. I'm just trying to imagine this guy. He seems like when he's doing the news pre- uh, conference in the beginning of the story, hesitant about new you. Except that he's seen the results of it. His w- dead wife is back, you know, and and he has no reason to be skeptical of that because he doesn't seem to be acting that way. So then, why also is he getting so upset about his father dying when he knows that you know this technology, regardless of whether it's done before death or after death. Will still be effective. Um, did that bother you at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an it, it's it's an interesting question. And then just to kind of push it one further is, you know, if he knows if he knows that it works because of Marla, then like, wouldn't he be like parading Marla around?
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm just like, trying to imagine how that conversation went after the end of the last issue where. He sees Marla, and then he's like, "I'll see you later. Uh, I'm just gonna head out and see my father. You can stay here. My dead wife, I haven't seen. You know, <laughs> right, right.
1: But I'm just saying, like, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a convenient plot point. I mean, you know, it almost makes you think, like, you know, maybe this is happening. Maybe it should have happened in a different sequence. You know what I mean? Like, because, like, yeah, like introducing that information to Jameson." Before this issue almost kind of like probably should take him off of it because otherwise, like, yeah, what, you know, Jameson's not Jameson is not a subtle human being. So why would he not just be like, check out this for me? Look at it, yeah. Well, look what it did. My mom, my wife, my dead wife. Remember the one that I freaked out and lost my mayorship over? She's back.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And 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 he doesn't really add anything to this story except that he is to be the recipient of this clock. But you could right. easily just change that to be Aunt May and have Jay say something like, "I always wanted to give Aunt May something or tell her some story." It doesn't matter that it's going to Jonah necessarily. You know, it could just. I mean the clock comes out of nowhere. Let's be The, the clock is yeah. just as random as this disease that kills Jay. And I, and I do think that both – the randomness of both those items does distract from the overall power of this story. And it's why I wouldn't like – if we were doing new essentials lists, I don't know that I would include this issue in a new essentials list like I did – you know, no one, no one dies. Um, just because I think there are these little things that take away from the drama having its full maximum in, impact.
1: Well, you know, pause a moment there, Dan. No one dies was my selection for the essential list. So uh, I would've let's, chosen
0: let's... it too. It's a great story. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just, just, just don't get it twisted, okay? All right, um, I will, not, I will not get it twisted. <laughs> oh man, I can see you on the other end of the video, and you look frustrated with me, Dan. That makes me sad. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it that and that's that's a very good point. And and you know, in terms of kind of where the, the, these little things that kind of I guess deduct points from from the overall scheme here. Um, and, and 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 let's also be honest I mean the clock it's it's a symbolic it's a sub it's a symbolic plot device I mean you know clock time jameson's running out of time we get it um but it's a devi- it's a device it's it's like as Paul Jenkins said in our episode many moons ago it's the blueberry pie you know what I mean it's a device to create drama over how is peter's split life gonna screw this up yeah um and it could have been it could have been like you said something for aunt may it could have been something else completely random it could have been a watch that he put up his (laughs) like in pulp fiction The, the, the the bottom line is you know there was a clock picked probably like i said for not so subtle symbolic purposes and that's why it was and 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 you know it doesn't make to me you know in in defense of just the outcome it doesn't it doesn't change the drama and the tension of the moment whether it's a clock that you know something that was established in advance to really pull, you know the, like i said the you know the 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 second the second peter finds the thing and webs you know webs it up in his costume you're 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 waiting for that shoe to drop and you're just trying to figure out what is gonna what is gonna be the the what's gonna turn the screw here because that's just that's just how these things go for him so for me whereas you know it probably took me out of it a little bit the kind of randomness of it it still delivered emotionally what it needed to deliver
0: yeah and i 'm right there with you. I mean, I thought I, this really emotionally hit me, but i do there is one other thing I want to talk about regarding the clock and that whole crane scenario that I think it 's not that i didn 't think it works, but I feel like there was a missed opportunity from uh, you know slot or Common Coley regarding the focus of that scene and 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 ratcheting up the drama. you know we have this moment spider man has got his webs connected between the building. And the crane and all of the kind of visual tension and drama is focused on, you know, this crane falling. And really the crane almost has nothing to do with the drama in that scene. Um, it's not stopping him from getting anywhere because it's not – he's not necessarily on a like in a time scenario like he was in something like the Master Planner arc where it's like if he doesn't make it out of there, like – in a certain amount of time, Aunt May is going to die and there's the flooding going on. Because here the big decision takes place over the phone with Aunt May, whether or not he's going to approve the use of New You or whether they're going to go with the more conventional surgery. And yes, he does change his mind to say let's go with the New You, but it's too late. Um, uh, so for me yeah, – so that-
1: can I can I stop you yeah, for half ahead. a second? Yeah.
0: Did, did,
1: did, so I mean, if, when we're talking about moments that kind of took us out for a second, did that did that reversal from him feel feel earned to you? The let's go at new you.
0: Yeah, I felt like it. It was mainly because it, it's a scenario that we don't see very often. It's literally what will you do in the face of death? And I felt it felt in character to me that even like at the moment. Like, he's trying to do the right thing, but, like, he's got this, you know, tinge of doubt about whether or not the regular surgery is going to work. In the same way that he did with his employee a couple issues before, like, death is literally seconds away, and I buy that he would take a radical step even if he doesn't, you know, fully believe in it. Um, why? Did did it take you out of it? A
1: little bit. I mean, it just – it, it – it. <laughs> I get, I get that, that idea of, you know, your, your seconds, your staring death in the face, maybe, you know, it'll, it would change the urgency of it, but like, it's still, I don't know, like, then, then I feel like he needed to be portrayed less confidently earlier in the, in the story. I mean, like. You know, to me, the, the bigger dilemma for Peter wasn't so much that he didn't necessarily trust his spider sense and his instincts. It was that he really couldn't verbalize it. Because how do you tell somebody who doesn't know you're, you know, you're a super powered individual why you have this sensation that dictates, to you know, this there's something dangerous about this. Um So. You know, if it was meant to be that he also had his own doubts about what he was thinking, I don't know if that came across clearly enough that would lead me to have him just do to do that reversal at the end. It's a nitpick. It's not. I'm not saying, oh wow, this ruined the story for me. I'm just saying, like, like that moment felt, and I even like a couple times went back and read the preceding uh, panels to be like, did they did did they do something to me that would have sold it more that he would then end up here? And I don't feel they went far enough with it. There was something I think transition wise missing to completely get to that moment for me.
0: I like that idea of him being less confident in the beginning. Um, Cause he does, he does seem fairly certain about his feelings about his spider sense. Um, for, for me, I think the other missed opportunity Visually is a focus on the clock on Peter's back as the webbing dissolves because Mm. you have this wonderful metaphor set up about the clock. And to me, the even stronger metaphor is – would be the clock slowly slipping or slowly sliding out of the dissolving webbing to kind of signify that like Jay's life is literally slipping away and and to ratchet up the tension of – you know, uh, cause by then we know that the clock is like a, of, you know, a metaphor for, you know, for, for Jay's life, you know, like, or at least there's an inkling there, but you could, I think v- further reinforce the metaphor by making the focus of the scene, not on the like construction, cr- the random construction crew, but on mm-hmm. like this very, like, you know, like, I mean, they established that it's a very precious, you know, uh, 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 artifact In that it's in this kind of foam casing, you know, it needs to be handled with care and uh, that it just kind of suddenly falls off of his back and hits the ground. It's still a powerful moment, but I think could have been made all the more tense and emotional by it, like slowly falling off of his back.
1: Yeah, if this was Ditko, we'd have like four pages dedicated to the, the clock slowly falling, and 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 rightly so because that's what sells the moment, you know. Right, so.
0: exactly. And and the paneling would have reflected that too, and 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 everything like that. So I don't, you know, I don't. It's, it, it could have been in slot script that he didn't emphasize that enough, but to me, right. like a storyteller like John Romita Jr. or some one of the some of the better Spider-Man storytellers. To my mind, would have no, like noticed that as a storyteller, not just an artist, and further reinforced that and and pushed it to another level.
1: Especially since you had the 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 seed planted in the very beginning with the webbing of the kids, like oh, it dissolves in an hour. And I know like that's a line that Slot likes to come back to a lot uh, about the webbing. I think it's one of his favorite little factoids about Spider-Man. But here is like an instance where. Um, you know, there's a payoff to that, you know, and 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 you can kind of show, like you say, that slow dissolve and 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 the the, the drama that behind. It. You're absolutely right, Dan. And I, I I don't even know if I was thinking of that while I was reading it initially, but you bringing that up, that's that's definitely a missed opportunity.
0: There's also, and then not to be, again be nitpicky, but there's also kind of like a tiny whininess to like the webbing because, like, to me. I didn't feel like an hour had passed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just like a page or two later that this whole thing is going down. And I wonder if that needed to be reinforced with, like, you know, a title caption, like, 58 minutes later or something like that. And that might have given away what was about to yeah. happen, but...
1: Yeah, that 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 might be too on the nose. But, but, I mean, you know, comics are kind of funny in terms of how time passes. So that... I, you know, again, I think it, I think if visually they showed the breakdown happening, it, it it would have filled in the gaps of how much time felt like went by. You know what right. I mean? Right. Like it like was just like,
0: one visual note missing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so I mean, other than that, I mean, what? So we got Camo back after a couple of issues off. I mean, did you have any other specific thoughts regarding him? I mean, I I. Uh, it's funny, like uh, R.B. Silva. I think we both um, had some, you know, regard for the last two issues, and and you know made me think like, oh, maybe I was being too hard on Camo. And, and and again, the 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 action sequences and the the Spider-Man stuff. I mean, Camo really has come a long way, and I and I think looked good, looked slick, looked dynamic. Um, so maybe I was being hard, but I don't know there's still something about his people, his (laughs) non-costume people. Yeah. And he, you know, even like, you know, you have some emotionally wrought people in this comic and it came across, but kind of like reminded me almost a little bit about like early, early Mark Bagley. Um, And I know you're, you're a huge fan of Bagley. I'm a huge fan of Bagley, but I always felt like early nineties Bagley really as, as, awesome as his costume stuff looked and as good as he got later on and even later on in his first run on amazing with with getting those emotional moments captured um the early stuff felt very rigid when it came to the people uh, and like um, like a, there was a coldness to it and and that's kind of how i felt with some of the stuff here i mean it was Better than some other things that Kamo's done in the past, but it's still just there's a, there's a there's a humanity to it that's just not there. Does that make sense? Am I being too too critical?
0: You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I think okay. his lines are so rigid and so hard. I mean, I look at something like Aunt May, and she's just got all these hard lines on her face. And I think for an issue like this, where everybody is really tense. And really upset it you know it works pretty well, but there 's no there 's no uh, to me there 's no warmth to these characters when I read him doing it i don 't it 's like the transition from Gicko to Ramita senior like everybody got chubbier and and rounder when Ramita stepped in and and that to me is kind of missing with uh, common Coley stuff i don 't I don't feel emotionally sympathetic to his characters very often, um, and and I, I, it's funny because seeing someone like Arby Silva where his lines are nothing but round, you know, mm. uh, there's just that extra level of warmth there. And I think this issue works well for combo because I think you and I have both agreed on this. When he starts doing aerial acrobatics with Spider-Man and, and characters kind of fighting in the air, I think about that – Great hobgob- double hobgoblin fight issue that he did. Like mm-hmm. that's the best stuff from Common Coley to my mind is is seeing his characters do stuff in in the skies. Um, and I liked a lot of the action beats in in this book. There's that great single page, you know, full page splash of Spider-Man like zipping through traffic in this issue, and, mm-hmm. and with the you know the multiple Spider-Men fading into the background. I I enjoyed that and. You know, I I can't fault him. He he reminds me of like a Ross Andrew. Like there's definitely like a classic nature to Coley stuff, but in the modern era it does feel a little lacking in humanity like you said.
1: Yeah, I mean like I mean consider the fact, I mean you have Jonah with tears in his eyes here. I mean, when did when have we ever seen that visual? And and yes, I get that he was also Pissed at Peter for what happened at the end, but like I felt like the anger the anger came across more than the mourning. And and you know, as someone who unfortunately has been there very recently, no matter how angry you are about a situation when when someone close to you dies, there's still a mourning there, and I felt that was just not there visually.
0: Yeah, uh, these are nitpicks like not to take away from the overall product but like yeah they are they are the things that keep it out of like essential territory for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, something can be very very good and excellent and highly recommended but you know, essential is when when we talk about essential or or classics or whatever, I mean, we're talking about what the best 25 50 stories of all time and i i mean (laughs) you know as much as i like this it's not that territory but you know it's
0: an unfair standard for sure yeah yeah yeah.
1: i mean you know so like and i and i think the fact that we liked this as much as we did allows us to this to to me this is (laughs) these are the kinds of conversations i like having about comics (laughs) it's it's so much easier to kind of like yeah we like that we like this a lot so let's talk about things that could have been better or things that we saw differently from each other or or that we saw the same but you know we didn't think about it until the other person said it rather than talking about secret scrolls and magic crystals of Shangri-La or you know whatever uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah a good tale allows you to you know dive into you know the, the the deep things that keep you from loving it or allow you to love it you know and uh, this has been a great conversation on, on that regard so do you want to wrap it up or do you want to talk about the backup story
1: yeah yeah I think we should because I mean even though it was only a couple of pages long I, I I really liked the backup story too I mean this was this was definitely a more proper prologue to dead no more and and it actually starred the Kingpin um and and miles warren is trying to what cut a deal with the kingpin over the use of of the new year technology and you know he tries to make fisk an offer he can't refuse by bringing back his wife and and you know there was this moment of when it was first happening where you know not to not to be cynical but i was like oh what is what is slack gonna do with kingpin here because kingpin to me is like you know, I know he was brought in as a Spider-Man villain many years ago, but like he's kind of you know with with the Frank Miller stuff and 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 Ed Brubaker and 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 Bendis and, and you know all these like really off the charts runs on Daredevil has really kind of made Kingpin to me almost like an un, untouchable character. Like you gotta like he's got to keep that menace and that and that authority. And, and I'm thinking to myself, oh god, if he makes the Kingpin like The Jackals, uh, you know, I almost said a bad word, but uh, uh, Groupie or uh, (laughs) uh, Goon.
0: Just any Uh, number of his team of people.
1: Yeah, like like what a waste of the Kingpin. And I guess what what hooked me in was Kingpin – you know, basically snapping Vanessa's neck and being like, that's a monster. You can't, you know, and then, you know, there's like a gun, a gunfight in Kingpin. And then I'm thinking, oh, God, is Slott going to kill Kingpin? (laughs) Like, (laughs) And of course, he does get away. But like, I, I, I thought like seeing that. Kind of turn from the kingpin and and like that like him putting his foot down to the jackal. I I I I don't know. Like it was a very affirming moment for me as a comic book fan. Like yeah, I'm glad someone's not being seduced by this nonsense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and you can already see some of the cracks you know starting to form in regards to the jackals like team. You know you've got uh, Alexi as the Rhino. You know not really fully on board with like killing the kingpin, you know, and and that's exciting to me because we've already kind of like hit so many emotional climaxes in the lead up to this story. It's nice to see more things being laid for even more potential climaxes down the road. And it really, you know, it fills me with a lot of confidence that going into the story slot really seems focused on on the characters and, and what their desires are. And if anything, it's making me a lot more excited about the clone conspiracy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, and you know, one of my criticisms during the um, the uh, Spider Verse story with the Inheritors was kind of like, I think my my phrasing was the lack of a hope spot. You know, like that that idea where, like, you know, yes, you you want to make the odds for your heroes seem as insurmountable as possible, so when they are ultimately overcome. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's a satisfaction to it because like you, 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 um, you, you, you kind of saw, you, you, you saw the Death Star. The Death Star had this, has, has a flaw. It's the size of a, of a wombat, a womp rat or whatever. What's it called, Dan? You're the, you're the Star Wars.
0: It's a womp rat. They're about two meters wide.
1: Thank you, Dan. Thank yeah. you. I knew you. I knew you would clarify. Uh, uh, Luke was it, shooting
0: them in his T sixteen Skyhopper back on Tatooine in Beggar's exactly. Canyon.
1: Okay, you, I, I'm, I'm turned on by this. By this, where, by your where he could right thread
0: it. the eye of the needle at the end of the canyon if he got it just right. You know, you go up this ramp and there's like a small hole in this rock and you can shoot through. And he can well, shoot I, the Womp rats and go through that.
1: Yeah, but was that before or after he went to the Tashi station to get his power converters? He there.
0: never actually made it to the Tashi station to uh, to get the power converters. Okay, regardless, we digress.
1: Um, but yeah, you need that hope spot. Like like, there's there's the flaw, and like I, I think you know a by establishing someone uh, with the the menace of the kingpin now officially on the uh, you know the you know what list uh, against the jackal um plus like you said like there, there seems to be these cracks starting to show with 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 team team jackal and you know i'm sure that there are going to be plenty of moments that are harrowing but you know my you know one of my more consistent complaints with slot and i feel this was kind of something that was born out of um amazing Man 700 it was kind of this this Reliance on really trying to just stack the odds so high against Peter and Spider Man that, like, you know, when it does come time for him to overcome them, they're not believable. Or, or it's just because some character out of nowhere decided he changed his entire philosophy to life and was going to yield the body back to him. You know what I mean? Right. Right. uh, Right. So it's, 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 it's important. Again, like you said, it's good to see these little things being laid out now. Um, you know, it seems like Kingpin will certainly be aligned with Spider-Man, but with a twist because it's always, there's always a twist with the Kingpin. Um, but I, I, I this did a good job establishing that. I don't know. Any, any other thoughts from you? I, I feel like I talked too much here.
0: No, I agree with you completely. I did want to like talk about this from an editorial perspective. Um, uh, I thought that this story was kind of weirdly placed at the end of the A story, um, mainly because, first of all, they're in New York in the EA story, and this takes place in San Francisco, and suddenly Spider-Man is on the other side of the country. Um, mm. And I feel like it also kind of robbed from the emotional you know, power. Like, imagine if the last page of the comic was just the death of Jay. I feel like that's a great place to leave it. And I wondered if this story, you know, clearly they've had this for a while because it's really just – the follow-up to the free comic book st- day story, which you don't have, Mark. Um,
1: uh, wow, that sounded accusatory.
0: <laughs> it absolutely was an accusation. Um, well,
1: is it my fault that I couldn't get to a comic book store on free comic book day? You
0: have got to find a way to get this thing, Mark. Are your collections incomplete? Uh, oh, are you really going there now? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Can I can I ask you something? Is this is this
1: is the free comic book story day in a comic that is is it a, a, an explicit Amazing Spider Man comic or is it a a comic uh, a general Marvel comic that happens to no, have Spider Man? I see what you're doing.
0: It is actually a Captain America comic.
1: Okay, so so you could you could take your your little part of your collection talk and and stick it in your eye because
0: all right, all right, well you got to you got to get this story anyway. But, fine, fair enough. All right, but but. Um, They've clearly had this for a while. I wonder if putting this at the back of, like, one of the previous two issues where, you know, Peter Parker was not the focus, it would have fit in better there and not detracted from this main story. And also, um, like, I just, again, editorially, like, the main A story to me is kind of robbed of some of its dramatic potential from the fact that we, like – concluded the Jay story two issues ago and then pick it back up again, like in media res. Like I feel like if those two issues had come one after the other, it would have again kept us in the mind space of, of this story a bit, a bit stronger.
1: Mm. Okay. That's a very fair point.
0: Just something to um, consider editorial. It's not like the rage of the Rhino story where that was like aided by taking a break, you know, uh, from the story, but I don't know.
1: All right. Well, you want to give grades?
0: Sure. What What are you giving this?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna give this an A minus, which is I think probably the highest grade I've given a a single comic in quite a while on this show.
0: Yeah, and I'm giving it an A minus too. So, uh, yay! Yay for positivity! <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, you know, t- time to move on to our comments and emails.
1: Yes, everybody. Uh, of course, we love to hear from all of our great listeners. And, you know, even if you don't listen but somehow listened long enough to know how to get in touch with us, we'll, we'll hear from you too, and we'll read your comments and emails and tweets and whatnot on the air. So what you got to do, of course, for emails is send them to AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. If you tweet at us, either at SubSpiderTalk or ChasingASM blog, just hashtag it okay to print and then, of course, there's a voicemail uh, system here, uh, which is nine red goblin. I don't think we have any voicemails uh, this month. But we had a couple last time, um, but then uh, we do have a, a review here from our uh, iTunes account. Uh, so why don't you read that to us?
0: Yeah, this one is un- called titled "Unlimited Spider Fun." Five out of five, and it's by G Weeze, who I think is a listener of ours named Garrett. Uh, I could be wrong. It might not be Garrett, but I think it is. Um, and G Wee says, uh, I'm a long time listener. Who's needed to leave a review for a while. Now, Mark and Dan have created a near perfect podcast, regardless of whether or not you see eye to eye on each issue. They review, you mean people don't agree with us a hundred percent of the time, Mark?
1: Wow, I'm shocked to hear that. I thought that basically the entire venue of podcasts was to just kind of like affirm what you already believe in something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You mean we're not monopolizing thought on Spider-Man? That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, well, he continues. uh, They do great in-depth reviews of each issue, often calling back issues with ease that I can hardly remember the plot beats to. More impressive is their star-studded Amazing Friends guest episodes. You'll learn more from these interviews about comics and Spidey than you knew was possible in one place. Most importantly, you'll have fun even when the comics aren't in the best of spots, and especially so when they are. So similar thoughts to what we were having this episode. This podcast has my highest recommendation because, Mark, you want to take this away?
1: With great podcasts, there must also come Amazing Spider Talk. Roll Q the end Uncle, credits. As at the say, Q Uncle Ben Dying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Thank you, G-Wees, for that awesome review. Uh we have a question here, Mark, from uh in an email. Uh tell us about this question.
1: Yeah, this is from friend of the show, Tom Aiello. He's a he's a friendly neighborhood spider talk person, right?
0: Yes he is, yeah.
1: uh uh, you know our our one of our patreon members and and tom asks if you could design your own spidey suit what would it look like well dan you're the more visual one of the two of us what would your spidey suit look like
0: you know it's funny because i when i think about like superhero costumes that i like and obviously i love spidey's costume i tend to like favor the ones that are more like you know iconographic like the big Splashy, like big Superman S suits. And yet, you know, Spider Man's costume is amongst my favorites, and it is a very atypical costume. But um, one of the things I really liked re- in recent, uh, I guess, memory is that new Spidey suit for the new video game with that big, you know, like Venom emblematic white spider on the front. I love the kind of combo of the iconographic spider you know, on the chest alongside the intricate details of of the costume. So that's that's one of my favorite ones that I can think of recently. So I would say, yeah, if I had to design it, it would probably be a mix between the two, um, that Venom suit and the classic Spidey Red. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. How about you, Mark?
1: Um, you know, I am I, definitely a fan of kind of the – the symbiotes elements of kind of, you know, regenerating and, and creating clothing at will and stuff. So, I mean, you know, I'm almost thinking of like, you know, not, not to, not to want to be a villain, but you know, I always loved how like Eddie Brock, would would show up in a in a comic, especially during like the Bagley era, and he'd have like this like you know, black leather motorcycle jacket that would then form into the Venom suit. So I think that's kind of what I, I would be going for in my Spidey suit. You know, something that I like yeah you know, maybe maybe have like a like a navy blue uh business suit or something that I could wear to work and then as I'm uh uh you know with a red tie and then as um you know, something happens in the streets, and I got to go save the day. It it just kind of forms over me and creates like, you know, a, the classic Spider-Man aesthetic. Um, that, that does that, sound that,
0: cool. I I am a yeah. big fan of the suit from uh, issue 500, the uh, the kind of jacket Spider-Man yes. suit. that's a really cool outfit. I, I I'm still like crossing my fingers hoping that that'll become the official outfit one day, but yeah that that, that sounds kind of like what you're going for except without the symbiote elements.
1: yeah i just like coats and jackets dan i mean i i you know not to not to completely digress and you know but back in the day when i had an n64 and i played the uh, wwf games uh or wwe game showed you the creative wrestler of myself was always uh, a guy in a business suit um that would do all these like crazy you know moves to other wrestlers and stuff but (laughs) but the business suit the business i I would basically like mod like vince mcmahon with like a younger face uh that sounds good that That sounds good and that's how he would wrestle in a a business suit all right so we're gonna get
0: business suit spidey one of these days
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that turns into full full regular classic spidey all right all
0: right yeah yeah you gotta have your business attire and your work attire and, and and sometimes you can mix business and pleasure Boom. There you go. All right. Well, (laughs) let's take it home. All right. So uh, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review.
1: Yeah, be sure to check out our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, if you want to keep up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. They're, they're going to be uh, K-I-S-S-I-N-G soon, right, Dan?
0: Yeah, it's like this weird match made in heaven for their podcast. And uh, th- there was that really awesome issue of Spider-Gwen just the other week. So that was really fun to listen to them talk about that. Do you like that issue? oh
1: yes absolutely uh the 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 i think spider has been on a roll but we'll we'll have to uh see what swarm thinks about it in a in a in a, another week or so
0: sure sure so uh Speaking of which, uh, Mark, you know we've been talking about our merch store a lot recently, and I wanted everyone to know that uh, this weekend there's going to be a major sale across the T Public Store. They're like our partners for our merch, so if you were thinking about buying any merch from our store, this weekend's the time to do it because everything is going to be like significantly slashed, reduced in price. So come back on Saturday Sunday and, and, and buy a shirt or something and uh, and that that's the time to do it but uh, mark what are we going to be discussing on next week's show
1: well I believe next week we're gonna have the first issue of the clone conspiracy um, coming up and um, while uh, and then immediately following that we don't have nothing's confirmed yet so I don't want to name any names but we might be getting a, a, a rather hot hot recent artists on the show for one of those uh amazing friends episodes so that's all i'm going to say it's it's a current current artist of a a book that's probably one of the hotter books that's going to be coming out over the next month or so um so fingers are crossed that that all works out
0: awesome that sounds great so mark where can we find you on the internet this week
1: yes well of course. I haven't written anything new over the last couple of weeks, Dan. Although I did finally finish my my Spider-Man versus other people's enemies list like four you months did. after you starting did. it. Good for you. Yeah, uh, oh, your 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 sarcasm is noted, Slow Dan. oh clap. Uh okay anywho um but you, you could of course find uh all my archive work on superior spider talk.com and at the original hub for my writing uh chasingamazingblog.com. and i promise there will be new, more writing to come in the future uh superior spider talk i'm just on a, a mini break while i finish another project um which i'll be able to talk about in the future uh and then of course you can find me on twitter at chasingasmblog. blog and dan how about you
0: you can find me at all the same places you said, com, but also on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk. Uh, you know, Mark, it seems Aunt May just can't seem to catch a break, whether it be random burglars or random diseases. She just can't seem to keep a good husband by her side. But now that she's single again, have you offered your aunt any advice on how to get back out on the dating scene?
1: Um, yeah, well, you know um – I, I'm actually a big advocate of, of the whole speed dating mechanism, um, you know. So I, I, I kind of, you know, after May, Aunt May kind of mourned for a little bit about Uncle Ben, uh, and then her other husbands. I don't, I don't even keep track with who else she's married because, you know, they're not my uncle. So, um, you know, I decided to take her, take her on a spin for some speed dating. Are you familiar with the speed dating format, Dan?
0: I have done speed dating uh, in my life, yes.
1: Okay. Um, well, you know, like the first time I ever saw it, I was just kind of amazed by it. I mean, it's just like you're going from table to table and it's like, you know, 60 seconds or a minute or two, whatever. Uh, 60 seconds in a minute are the same thing. I don't know if you know that, Dan. Um, but anyway, to me. so, um, you know, we're, t- we're taking Aunt May around and, and, you know, then all uh, of a did, sudden,
0: did you, did you participate in this alongside her? Like, were you paired up with Aunt May and for an awkward minute or two?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that. Well, no, 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 no. Not like on the other side of the table. That's gross, Dan. Come on, come on. No, no, no. I kind of like chaperoned her, and you know, I, I I threw my I threw my my hat in the ring on a couple of of a couple of goes, but yeah, I was mainly there just to keep an eye on her, and make sure. And, and it's a good thing I did because, like, you know, we got to this one table, and there's this one guy. He's got like this this Elton John haircut, uh these big goofy glasses. And you know, wearing a trench coat, and I'm just like, and, and May is just completely like, ugh, bewitch- She's she's enamored with this guy, and and you know, he. Well, it's would just you, would like, you say
0: that this guy wrapped his tentacles around her. Well, you know,
1: you're 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 jumping my punchline, Dan, because what I was about to say was, you know, I I didn't like what I was seeing. This guy, there was something off about him. You know, call it instinct. I don't know. Didn't really like what I was seeing, and I was like, "All right, Mister, your 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 sixty seconds is up. It's been a minute." And all of a sudden, the trench coat flew off, and he like all these mechanical arms came out, and like they're whipping around, and and like I'm like I'm ducking for cover, and you know I'm like, "Oh man, I should be trying to save my Aunt May." Um but I'm trying to save myself because I'm a coward. And of course the tentacle whacked Aunt May in the head and uh giving her a concussion and, and, and killing her. Um and at that you point say this as such I glee. Uh, Well, you know. And and as I laid over my my aunt's prone body, you know, from the tentacles of this Elton John lookalike. Uh, the ghost my uncle Ben came down and was like hey sport looks like you screwed up huh I was like well, what was I supposed to do I, I, I you know should I just let her go out with 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 this clear this super villain and he's like well eh, you got a point there so let's just leave it at this with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk